podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome. I'm Neil Atkinson to this week's Anfield Wrap in association with Redsbet. Uh, Redsbet is the gambling company where 50% of losses are given to Liverpool supporter related causes. Uh, if you are going to gamble with Redsbet this week with the Cheltenham Festival and other matters as well, uh, please do so responsibly and enjoyably. Uh, you can go to begambleaware.org for more information on that. It is the Anfield wrap after Liverpool have been defeated by Manchester United at Old Trafford by two goals to one. Two goals to one indeed being a scoreline there. Uh, Liverpool frustrating poor for the first uh, first half, to be honest with you, and then came into its second half. Finished the game pretty strongly, weren't quite able to build enough pressure last 10 minutes to force the second goal. We're going to talk about that, we're going to talk at the end about the referee uh, so don't think that we're not going to talk about the referee we are uh, but we're not going to focus on it at first because the most important thing to talk about is what Liverpool did and how Liverpool did things well and the general sort of vibe around it Rob Gutman it's a frustrating result it's not a dreadful performance I've seen Liverpool sides with more trophies arguably you can say better Liverpool sides wilt far more at Old Trafford than those boys did yeah it's it's just it's a kick in the pants, and, and you know what? I, I couldn't give a shit about the. It, it's a loss to United factor, really. Our season's too big to worry about that us and them in that way. I think I care. I care that we've we've racked up another defeat in a season where we'd only lost three. An incredible season, really, that we've only lost three. I'd like to, to have stayed that to the end of the season. So I, it annoys me that side. It annoys me the fact that they've pulled away. That's that's not good, but. I came out of it feeling defiant. It was a defiant Liverpool crowd at the end. We kept behind for 45 minutes afterwards. There was some atmosphere, I have to say. I don't think anybody felt beaten, even though we clearly, we, you know, we were as a fact. Um, it remind, it might, when I thought about it sort of even more calmly an hour afterwards, I thought the narrative around Tottenham's draw at Anfield and whenever it was five weeks ago, they get a 2-2. Really due to the fact that Wanyama scores, you know, the goal of a career, they, they could quite easily have lost that game by a single goal, Tottenham. They, were, they, had all the, they did very much what Liverpool did in the second half to United. They had a lot of the ball, but they were not carving uh, Liverpool open, and Liverpool were not carving United open. But we were knocking on the door. We did force a goal. We did, we did force penalty situations. I don't think we can come out of this game with any real negativity. It's not enough of a sample. It's, Ian, Salmon, it's a game between two sides who were both very good. And I think that that's something which, uh, you know, I put in my, my post-match writing about it. We can, to a certain extent, firstly, we hadn't, we hadn't suffered a couple of the challenges that come up during that game uh, at the level at which they come, i.e. that United have got very, very good players trying to play the brand of football that they want to play. And we haven't come into that a great deal. But the other thing that happens is that if you are going to be a very, very good team, then you are going to play against other very, very good teams. You're not going to win all those games. You're going to lose some of them. The greater concern than just this one defeat is that this would this that this this result does mean with Chelsea still to go to, we didn't win at Arsenal. And we should. We got hammered, albeit after the sending off against Manchester City. We went to bits first half against Spurs, and we haven't done so well against Man United. If you want a concern, my concern's more the whole of that picture, not particularly what happened on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, that is a concern. It's it's very much a concern. The last season, our record against top six was solid, it was good. We, we, you know, we could play the top six, no problem at all. This season, we seem to turn the whole thing round. Um, I, I'm very much with what Rob says there about the Spurs game. It did kind of mirror that. The first half, the first half was one of the most frustrating things I've watched in a while because we weren't great. I, I wouldn't say we were terrible. I wouldn't say we were particularly poor, but we, we weren't great. And I know that we're better than we saw in the first half. And we're in a position where 
everything we tried didn't come off. It was one of those days where the rubber green wasn't there, but players were then trying to force things. I thought Chamberlain was very much trying to force things from midfield, and it wasn't quite happening for him. And you saw his reaction when he was subbed. You know, you know there's a lad who goes, I didn't do what I can do in that game. And that first half, United is a hard enough place to go at the best of times. And if you're going to give them a two-goal lead and then allow a Mourinho United to sit back and defend a two-goal lead, they're going to be a bogus breakdown. And they were a bogus breakdown. And you've got to give United credit. They came out and they did their job. And they did their job very, very well. To the point that we didn't do enough to win the game. We did. We were, I thought we were excellent in the second half. We took the game to them. But they've got that lead. They've got something to defend at that point. So we're always up against it. So as good as we were second half, we didn't do enough across 90 minutes to win the game. And they did. Yeah, I just want to come back on your your point, Neil. Uh, actually, about us against the big, uh, the other big top six this season. I slightly disagree in, in that I think actually we've had the same games against them, but fortune fortune has moved in different directions. If you think about it, that crazy, and I'll just almost quickly take them fixture by fixture. City, we we but we won both seasons in a narrow fashion. I think we were slightly more convincing this season. Um, away away from home, that that game against City last season could have been a five nil to them or a five nil to us. The Arsenal home games are the same. In fact, I even think the Arsenal away games are the same, except we, you know, we, we make a fatal error in one, whereas we pull away in the other, or we, or we see out a game in the other. Only really the top and the United games are both very, very similar. The Anfield games are the same. They're both very, very tight fixtures. I think it just demonstrates sometimes rubber the green in football, just the vagaries of fate at key moments. I don't think we've necessarily dropped off our level, is my point, in the games against the top uh, six. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with Rob's point there. I, I think it was always going to be difficult to to kind of replicate what we'd done the previous season against those those other top teams. I think in terms of Saturday's game, like with most big football matches, it, it can sometimes come down to moments. And you know, we go that we go that goal behind, and and yes, if you look at it now, it you know you, you can pick holes in it. I think. If we were to play them again, I think the manager might do something different tactically in terms of would he put Emery Chan, for instance, in front of Lukaku. He may come back and say, actually, Lovren's managed Lukaku really, really well in previous games. So I, I backed him to, to kind of win his physical battle there. And then, obviously, Trent, you know, bless him, you know, he's kind of come out and apologised, I believe. Now, he's, he's said before, I'm talking red with Rob, I've got no need to do that. I know these things will happen to a 19-year-old fullback. Um but you know we don't cover ourselves in glory defensively, and United are obviously, you know, Mourinho switched on. He knows which side of the pitch to attack. You know, Lukaku's going to pull on to Lovren when he has to. So it, it's it's hard to take it because you go up against these big teams and you want to do yourselves justice. But as I said before, it can come down to fine lines. It can come down to moments. And when we go that goal behind, if we suddenly find ourselves one-one quite quickly, and we we have that chance with Van Dijk's header. Yeah. And he just doesn't fall. I mean, he comes off his shoulder. He should score. But when he doesn't score, within 60 seconds, 90 seconds, the same thing happens again. A long punt, really simple, straightforward ball, right down the pitch. And we should deal with it again. We haven't learnt our lesson. And it goes 2-0. And as Ian Salmon said before, if there's a team in the league that you can't afford to go a goal behind or two goals behind, it's this United team. Because credit where it's due, Mourinho knows how to manage a football match. You've seen the stats... When they when they when they scored first, they'd won sixteen out of sixteen. It's now seventeen out of seventeen. That becomes difficult because the game is very much in their favour. They can obviously sit in behind the ball even more than than they were going to do anyway. I mean, they, they give Liverpool the opportunity to have lots of possession, and we kind of knew that. And second half, 
Uh, you touched on it there. We were much the better side. I think Mourinho, again, he lets us have the ball. He's comfortable with backing himself and backing his players to see the game out. And, yes, then, and then when he gets worried, he pulls Rashford and puts Fellaini oh, on because he course. wants that muscle. And listen, you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to say, in terms of the United team, look, Lukaku was a threat. Of course he was physically. He was, he was imposing. Um, the likes of Rashford, who's had a little bit of stick recently, he plays really, really well. You know, he, he takes his two goals brilliantly. And people like, you no, know, Ashley Young as well. You know, he's not even a real fullback, but he manages Salah, albeit he's backed up by teammates. He manages them really, really well. So, Rob's put before, in the grand scheme of things, it kind of hurts, but it's not the end of the world, this football match. You know, it's not because we're still right in that mix. My my issue with it, well, I'll come to my issue with it in a second, but the first thing on the small vagaries, um, when Van Dijk goes for the header, he's falling as he heads it because he's being pulled, his shirt is being pulled, he's being pulled down in the area. And that's that's one of the referent decisions that does not be mentioned anywhere, I don't think, which is why he heads against his own shoulder. You don't um, get that, though, Ian. I mean, no, you, you don't get it. It's, it's one of those, but you don't definitely don't get that. But Will it's, my uh, VAR uh, future... Dream future. Yeah, you get five the, the pens live, a game. The live VAR where we're going straight away. That's a pen, that lads. Uh, but no, it is one that you don't get. But it is another one. It's another one of those polls. It's the dark arts. So we don't do oh, particularly yeah. well. But my main worry about the whole thing was, I think it's. It could be a worry. It could be. It could be actually a positive thing. It's a wake up call because we've all been sat there going, do you know what? I fancy anybody over two legs. There's nobody on earth. There's every nobody wants to face us in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Nobody wants to get us. And you look and go, do you know what? United probably quite fancy at the moment because they've just done us over two legs. And if we play the same way against United across two legs in a European tie, then they know that they can do us and they can do us this way. But if we take as a wake up call that we can learn from and change the team for a European tie, yeah, the the. Point about the dark arts is very was very noticeable Sit, sitting mm. there close up. I don't know how it came across on the on the TV, but in the stadium, I I haven't seen a dark art performance like that since the golden age of of the Wimbledon's when they they used to come to Anfield and stop a football match happening. Only I mean after United took the lead, I'm talking about everything that <clears throat> that could be done. The rolling around, the, the number of times that sap of I know we weren't going to talk about pause, that sap of a referee would blow up because they went down and our momentum was broken time and time again. You know, fair play to them and all that. And Mourinho Masclas, oh, I have to get this rant out of the way. But at the end of the day, they're the first, second best funded team in world Europe or European football, give or take a place. Um it shouldn't be coming down to that. Sorry, United. I'm a bitter. I'm a bitter Liverpool fan, but it's it's not. Oh, I'm, I'm fine with that. <coughs> but let's talk about let's talk about Liverpool there for building momentum because they did manage to do it. And I yep. think if there's a frustration in the across the ninety minutes, in a sense, and it's not a frustration. I think it's why there was defiance at the end. But you get you got to saw say I think say forty five till the goal. Certainly forty five till six to sixty. That Liverpool could really get at that team uh, in the way in which you know I thought a lot of what they were doing was very very last ditch. A lot of it was 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 on the borderline between what you can and can't get away with. But you know almost putting that to one side, as I say, we will talk about the referee. I just think that that that, that period of time there shows that if they sided all the way through the game, if they had attacked better being a little bit more patient, being a little bit more certain, made sure of what they were doing, that they really could have, have hurt that Man United team massively. I think that's the case at 0-0, it's the case at 1-0, it's the case at 2-0, and it's the case at 2-1. I think at 2-2, had we got that break, as given 10 or 15 minutes, 
I think we would have won that game. I know it's really easy to say that. I think it's a cliche in a way. But I, the, the, our momentum was there. I think that what happens in the latter part of the second, second part of the first half is, is a shell shock. And it's very difficult not to withstand that kind of hit. I mean, even, uh, say, you know, City, when they make that fantastic comeback at Anfield before losing in our near title season, we're 2-0 up early on. It takes them to well after half time to react. It's really quite hard when you hit like that in a big game, especially in a big game uh, away from home when you know a side is, is well-equipped to withstand your pressure. So I think we emerge with credit. With I, I was scared at 2-0 that this could properly go away from us. Yeah. You know, we've, we've still not got re- established a reputation as a team that knows how to defend or balance between defending and attacking at those moments in game. I feared it could be taken away from us. You know, I suppose two things come and collided, them having no ambition beyond 2-0 uh, and us get pulling our socks up. We pull our socks up. Let's talk about the goals. They both come straight after Ian Ryan, both come straight after Liverpool corners. First one's a pretty poor routine. Uh, the second one is that bad, really bad miss from Van Dijk and that 90 seconds does change and define the games. And then it's just a long punt. I think there's, in general, I think the first time by about the first time, Ian, I think it's been picked up on television. This is where they're going. This is what they're trying to do. Before you get into the specifics of Lukaku beating uh, Lovren in the air, it seems strange to me the first time, but as you said before, especially the second time, there isn't a Liverpool player a lot, lot closer. And I wonder if that's what Klopp was referring to in his post-match comments about dealing with the second ball. Because when it bounces off Lukaku second time, it is almost like that's the second ball. I wonder if that's the sort of the where, where he's frustrated. I'm wondering why hasn't someone thought, you know what, I need to go and go on toes here. Someone come from the back, someone go on toes. Potentially so. I think you're probably right. I mean, if you look at the game and I've watched, I've watched the first half back, you know, Lukaku, he wins his first header against Lovren in the third minute. So, they, they, you, know, you know, that's coming. It's a tactic. It's very old school. I mean, I think Neville may have referenced it on Sky. You don't see many goals scored in that way where it's just a long punt down the middle anymore. It just doesn't tend to happen. We've let ourselves down there because, as I say, for it to happen once isn't great. For it to happen again. And if you look at the goals, I mean, Oxlade-Chamberlain, who probably isn't tall enough to do that screening job anyway, but him and Emery China just standing 10 yards in front of Lover and they're not marking anyone for the first one. And for the second one, they're not really marking anyone again. They're just one matters in between the two of them. So it's all a bit weird and I'm surprised we've we've been as naive as that. And yes, you can then look at what happens when the flick happens. I know Trent will have nightmares for weeks, I'm sure, because he, he's just too far wide and he can't get back and then he should probably try and show Rashford down the line a bit more but there's loads of quality there from Rashford you've got to say that the actual the, the flick is so good he doesn't need to take another touch he can hit it instantly and the goalkeeper's got absolutely no chance but I think you're right Neil the manager will be hugely frustrated for it to happen once it's really bad for it to happen a second time in the same game in a matter of 10 minutes really poor Ian Salmon the, the, one of the things that strikes me about it is, is the individuals it's the individuals where you know both sort of feel sorry for but where you know questions will be asked we were praising uh, rightly uh, Alexander-Arnold for his, for his five or six very solid right back performances that he's put together back to back also praising Lovren as well uh, and also had we all mentioned before the match I think everybody who did a show with mentioned that Lovren had, had historically played Lukaku really really well and done very very well with them they're coming up against basically what Man United have paid 75 million for in one in one instance and the reason why Rashford is so highly thought of within the game in the other instance and yet as individuals you know there's it could well have ramifications for them both personally thinking about their own performances but also possibly from from, from a manager who if he does need his Liverpool side to be perfect uh, or as close to perfect as possible and there's a conversation around that in general may well be looking at those two now and thinking well I can't be sure yeah, I, th- I think I think Lovren more than Trent 
because uh, again, Trent is a 19 year old lad who's learning the game. And he has been taken specifically for the first goal. He's been taken by a fantastic moment of of absolute class. That I think most right backs would have been would have been pulled out with. Um, Lovren should be dealing with that better. He should be. De- um, is there a philosophical point here? And what strikes me is, let's imagine for a second <coughs> that Salah picks the ball up and he he dances past Ashley Young and he bends it in the far corner and we'd all go, well, yeah, but what's Ashley Young meant to do? That's Salah there. That's how good he is. That's what he does. Yeah. Lovren comes up against, or let's say, let's say that's Lindelof, who United paid forty million for, or Smalling, or Bailly, or whoever you want. Any of them could get done by Mo Salah. Lovren comes up against Lov, uh, comes up against Lukaku in this instance, and part of what Lukaku does and what United want him doing is win those balls and bullying his centre back. But because there's something which is we use the phrase bullying the centre back, we all go afterwards. Yeah, but he should be dealing with that. Yeah, because we're always going to be that. We're going to have that kind of bias against our own players in those moments. But we, as we said, we know that Lovren has dealt with Lukaku. He dealt with him for probably what three years while he was with Everson, and he was never actually a problem to him at all. And we also know that our perception of Lukaku is he doesn't turn up in the big games. Well, he definitely turned up in this. He one. turned up against Chelsea. He turned up yeah. against, and I think there was too much that that performance. We didn't get enough talk at the time. He gets scores a goal one assist. He yeah. gets a goal and an assist against Chelsea, and he's great in moments, and he also makes their life a, a misery yeah. second half. He's a ninety million uh, pound striker. The fact that Lovren's done well against him shouldn't count against him now. In the past, no, I, I, I would. But it's no, such I would, a frustrating way to not do well against him this time. I don't think that. I don't think you can ever criticise a centre half for losing a, losing a header a flick header it's not the like same header twice well I, I still think it's not the end of the world the end of the day Lukaku is a big, is a big player aggressive player he can win, he can have a day where he's going to win them in the air it's what happens after that but I you know that was how it was world class by Rashford I watched the United's comeback against Palace in the week and it was all about Rashford. He put he puts Rashford on. You know, yeah. like hapless and going nowhere. Rashford comes on within the first five minutes. He's done three dribbles down the left, and absolutely torn Palace to, to pieces. I, I I've thought Rashford is a really really good player from the moment I clapped eyes on him. He reminds me of some young strikers where they go through a phase where they're not getting the goal return you think they're going to get. But one day that lad's going to click with his goal return, and he's he, I think he's going to be a frightening player. It, it disturbs me that he plays for them. What he does there is 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 beyond belief. Really, stands Trent up, has a look, and then be, whip, not bends. He whips a shot. Of course, I think Lovren's biggest fault in that move is not losing the header, is in failing to, to shuffle across to cover Trent because he decides to cover the runners from the middle. He he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't back Rashford to do what Rashford does, which I think may be a tad naive. I think if there's cover on Trent there, he's got a fighting chance, but nobody goes across. We're very compact. Either I think one of the reasons why Lovren has to worry about the runners is because there's the, the, he's not got a lot around him, Rob. You know what I mean? Like well, Van Dijk's two yards to his left, isn't he? Van Dijk is, but what I mean is, is when I say compact, I'm not talking about where the defensive line is. I'm talking about where's, where's the midfield it's getting where back Chan to. Is. Where, yeah, yeah. Not just Chan, I think that, you know, Milner and Oxlade Chamberlain. This is a point where surely everyone says, right, we've all got to get back in here, boys. And you look at it, and Lovren's left with a few fair few decisions to make as to where getting back in is because other people aren't there and Van Dyke as well and I think you also see that for the matter miss yeah. everyone's an absolute state yeah. Yeah, I think in yeah. terms of getting back and getting yeah. defensive shape everybody yeah. Lovren, Van Dyke, Chan it's a, it's a catalogue of errors Well I mean on, on that matter one he's kind of he kind of almost drifts off the back of Lovren but Chan and Van Dyke are both looking at, at Mata and they just allow him to drift in and obviously if that goes in then it really is kind of game over because it would have been 3-0 before he could have touch he could have took a yeah, well, I think he's, he's almost kind of thinking, I'll reenact my goal at Anfield from a few years ago and, and put it in with a scissor kick when he's got all the time in the world to take it down and put it in. But you're right, it, worryingly there, it was it was all a little bit too easy. I think, 
I mean, I don't want to criticise the lads too much because I've been very, very kind of, I've given them lots of praise over the last kind of six to eight weeks, and I think rightly so. You don't really want to suddenly jump in everyone's back after one performance, albeit in a really, really big game. I've said before, I, I, th I think you can upgrade on Lovren. Um, I think most people would, would, would tend to agree. But I think in this match, most people were saying before the game he was the right partner to play alongside Van Dijk. Them two looked to complement each other more than, say, Matip and, 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 um, and obviously Van Dijk. And I think that the, the Trent one, maybe maybe Trent deserved to play this game given his, his, his recent performances. I think there was an argument for Gomez. I did say before the match, if Gomez was fully fit, I'd have looked to have maybe started him. But then again, you know, Gomez has had moments this season where he's been exposed. So he's been sent a few exactly, times. Exactly. So you can't you can't say with any certain with any certainty whether it would have made much of a difference. I think one thing that would have made a difference for me, I would have liked to have seen Jordan Henderson in the start eleven. And for whatever reason, dead leg, three games in a week, that that didn't happen. But when we're at our best, I think Jordan Henderson it, it plays a big part in that. And not everyone, not everyone will like that because not everyone's a fan of him. I don't get it. Again, I think you could upgrade in Jordan Henderson, absolutely. But right now, if he's fit and he can go, and obviously he couldn't, he makes a difference for me. He sets the tempo and he's a lot of what is good about this football team when we're at our very best. He's also, I think, what we could be looking at there, the, the terms of you know, what Klopp said about getting back and covering is it's obviously a relation to Chan most immediately because that's the position he's playing the six and Henson at that point I think probably just communicates with his back four a bit better than Chan does and is more more positionally aware of where he needs to be at that point there was a lot of time where and it may have been tactical but there was a lot of time where Chan when dropping back was dropping back into a left back position yeah, well I think I noticed that but I want to know if it is tactical because I think it's easy to sort of say where's Chan Firstly, I've not seen the manager screaming at him after the first one, but I'm not in the ground, and so I don't know. But the second thing that sort of strikes me is, Rob, Chan's done his time at centre-back. You know what I mean? Like, Chan understands how this bit works, arguably better than Henderson. And so it, it seems, you know, and I just sort of wonder if Liverpool's idea is, listen, we need to just win the first, have our shape, and then we'll be able to, we'll be able to go from there. And I'm talking here after the first goal, that we're not quite, a, we're not actually at panic stations at that point. We're not at the idea of this is something that needs to be dealt with. We're all sort of having the attitude of, well, that's the first one, but let's, we'll box it off by that sort of point. And maybe that was the wrong attitude to have at that time. And, and I don't know if it comes from the dugout or what. And he did mention second balls afterwards, but Emery Chan is in many senses <coughs> the perfect man you want to go and stand the other side of, 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 of someone like Lukaku. Because as I say, he's literally played football matches at centre half. He's decent in the air. He's a big six foot one, six foot two lad who should be able to, to, to put himself about. And, and I, I just sort of wonder if it is tactical and I don't want to get on a player's back for what could be a tactical move. I think Emery's stretched too thin uh, without Jordan. I think Emery had a really good game overall, especially in the second half. I thought he was excellent. I think Klopp's bold in his selection. He, uh, the clever money was on Henderson and Chan forming in, in a 4-2-3-1, in a effectively, however you want to look at it, but, or, a, or, or a triangle with, with, uh, with a base to it. Um, I think Klopp's. I don't think it's necessarily about Henderson's lack of fitness. Otherwise, he's he's not on the bench necessarily. I, I think he fancied um, two of, two potentially offensive players ahead of Chan in uh, in Milner and, and Oxley Chamberlain. And thought. Do you think he's got that wrong? Sorry. Do you think he was wrong? Yeah, I do. I think I think he's he's underestimated. Got to be careful with you know? hindsight. But do you think yeah. do you think he's wrong? I, yes, I do because I, I mean, you know, uh, because I picked Chan and Henderson together. I think he's slightly underestimated United. Well, well not wrong. Maybe he's he's, he's gambled. He's gambled on absolutely yeah, wrong, wrong, wrong. I, 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 wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think he knew you you could 
Bet your bottom dollar that Mourinho's tactic would be to sit off Liverpool and hit them on the break. There might have been a, a plan to, to try and devastate Liverpool in 10 minutes and catch Klopp unawares. But Klopp would have gone, that's fine. We'll go for it the other way. We'll gag and press her. I think he wanted to gag and press the ass off them with, with, by putting Chamberlain and uh, Milner in that mix. And if you get the first goal... It looks, you know, Van Dijk, even from a set piece, it looks like you know what you're doing. And then United have got a problem. Then Lukaku's maybe not as confident. The pressure's on him. It's a tight game. Tight games between big teams. You know, what happens defines the narrative. See, the, the Chan Henderson thing, I'd have, I'd have liked to have seen Henderson and Chan both on the side. But again, I wouldn't have had them playing as a two. I wouldn't have changed the shape. The shape that we went with, I think, was the shape that would have been best. It would have been a case of either Chan for Chamberlain or, or Chan for Milner. One of the two. Yeah, I think, and if you just flip it around to, from a United point of view, I, th- I actually think Pogba not playing helps them. It, it, it makes them yeah. far more solid. You know, they, they go 4 2 3 1. They've got McTominay and, and Matic sitting in very deep. Now, they're two players you can get it. McTominay gets hooked at Palace, he's all over the place. Matic is good at what he does, but you can expose him. And once you pass him, he can't get back. Both lads are deep. They go 4 2 3 1. They look more solid. You know, Pogba's been. Playing. I, I thought Matic was all over the show second well, half. He, 15, he is 20 nearly because we have all the ball and he's, and he's struggling a little bit. Um, but I think first half, then two just sitting there gives them that protection. I've come back to your point before, you absolutely can get at Matic. And I think one of the reasons he wants to play Chamberlain is to kind of get that forward runner from midfield, yeah. make us more mobile. You know, Milner, if it was Milner, Henderson and Cham, for instance, you know, there's a lack of probably mobility there. So I understand why he plays Oxley Chamberlain. And he's been in really, really good form as well. Um, but I do think Pogba not playing, and Pogba's a good player on the ball, without the ball, he's not so good. But I do think it helps United. Uh, in general, uh, it's interesting using phrases like right and wrong because managers make decisions and they make percentage calls. And those percentage mm-hmm. calls, as you say, Rob, they might be proven right, might be proven wrong. I always remember speaking to Rafa Benitez and it was as though in his head it was like a bar chart of opinion polls as to which which is the best option. 41% for this, 39% for this. I'll go yeah. with 41% option. And, and it doesn't mean that it would necessarily change anything. But, you know, overall, you get sort of, you end up being defined uh, by big calls over the course of a campaign. Um, the goalkeeper doesn't let him down going right the way through the game and especially late on uh, where he comes out and wins that ball uh, high up the pitch the mm. goalkeeper showed there you know there's a bit of talk that he, he might have been able to do better for the seconds I profoundly disagree with that one it's, it's, it's two deflections uh, yeah I profoundly disagree with that one um, and I think you got to see there and you got to see throughout, throughout bits of the game why he's gone with Carrius over Mignolet uh, for this running yeah I mean he, he's, he's got a, a goalkeeper who you, you don't judge in isolation from the context of the team's performance now. That's been the biggest plus for me. You know, I don't yet know. I don't think any of us yet know if Karius is a technically better goalkeeper than Simon Mignolet. I think it's too early to make that call. You know, he's made some nice saves. Mignolet in a good run could also make some nice saves. But within the context of how Klopp wants Liverpool to play, it's clear that Karius is the, is the better fit by a mile now. He's much, much more quicker to start his starting positions much higher up the pitch he's ready he's ready to get involved in the play and, and, and see danger early whereas I think Mignolet is a keeper who enjoys the, the goalkeeping art uh, in its simplest form quite frankly saving saving shots I think Mignolet lives for that I think Karius is a, is a, is a, is a footballer I, I think Karius makes better decisions I think he's willing to back himself on those decisions as that tackle proves you know he, he's, he knows that if he comes out and he overcommits then it's a goal but he's willing to do it, and he—you can't see Minulay taking the—you can't see Minulay taking the steps to actually make that tackle at any point. He's not going to come that far with his goals. So I think Carrius looks like 
a decent goalie at the moment. I think he's doing nothing wrong. Did nothing wrong the entire game. As I said, he, he's basically he's got no chance with the second goal. There's nobody on earth who's got any chance with the first goal. So he, he takes no blame for anything at all. He's had a decent enough game. I think simply put, he, he suits a year club football team far more than Sam Manila does. And in terms of that second goal, he, he, he I think Van Dyke gets a, gets a touch on it, which takes it towards Rashford. But but the keeper's coming out to, to kind of make himself big and almost kind of narrow the space. And you can't legislate for that nicking off Trent's ankles or whatever, because and, and obviously it takes it over him. So there's absolutely no blame at all with the goalkeeper and I think it's been levelled at him you know when he if he used to play a big football match you know would he would he shrink and kind of shrivel up well he, he didn't I thought he you know Neil's point there in terms of what he does second half it's what you it's what Jürgen Klopp wants from a goalkeeper and whilst I, th- I still think we should maybe have one eye out looking to do something in the summer at this moment in time Caris is not an issue and he's not letting anyone down uh, I want to talk about that in the good period in the second half but w- what what I don't think went well. Uh, so simultaneously, I think you get to see Ian Sam and Liverpool play really good football, forty-five to sixty-five. Put the, turn the screw on Man United. But one of the things that strikes me, you know, we're getting between the lines. It's Milner's best period in the match for me. Knows too. But one of the things that that struck me watching it back, especially, was Salah wasn't getting central at all. No. That and that, that almost as though that was a conscious decision again. Was it or wasn't it a conscious decision? Was it the a lack of you know a lack of feeling as though he was involved in the game enough? But Salah and Mane don't really go central, particularly for me. The the, the, the so for Firmino's roaming and roaming and roaming, but neither of those two are filling. Admittedly, not the, not a ton of space that he's leaving because United stayed very disciplined. But we were breaking the lines. We were putting them under pressure. We just didn't have that central thrust that we've had in recent weeks. My my feeling on it was that Mane spent a lot of the time central. I, I thought I thought he spent a lot more and time deep, cutting though, it. Very, very deep. He was more of a midfield player yeah, for the entirety of the game. Yep. But because of him dropping that deep, I don't think that left the space for Salah to move into. So it's got to be tactical because they've obviously looked at it and gone, you can take him on the wing. And I think it's the most ineffective we've seen Salah all season because he, he just has he has no actual impact on the game, really, for they, this. They weren't close enough together. That's been their, their strength for me in recent But their strength years. has been the interchange as well. Yeah, so, so the, and, and often we've seen them within 10 yards of each other. So exactly. Plus Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah, plus Oxlade-Chamberlain. So they're able to break through up tightly nicked, uh, tightly packed back fours with little one-twos. And it begins to happen, uh, and, and you see an example of it, at the, I think it's the Mane penalty shout, um, is it coming after 2-1, where he, where he plays a lovely one-two with Firmino, where I was level with it. We were all a bit shot Firmino doesn't just take it in his stride, but the, but the layoff is a decent one if Mane's not held there. It's, it's the first example it's of that little back that, heel that just falls a little yeah. short, he has to chase, isn't it? Yeah, but it's an example of the first time them getting close to each other. Around me, there was grumblings of discontent about Mane, and it annoyed me because I, I think he's beginning to be a bit of a scapegoat. I, I think I thought he was the, the one of the front three who was most on the ball. Uh, I've watched it back. There's a couple of decisions he makes which aren't great. A couple of times he's sloppy in possession, but generally it, it, the bits and pieces he's doing are very decent in a difficult circumstance. And I don't know. He was even in his first season. There was this go-to. Oh, Mane's not played well for a few weeks. Yes, definitely this season his his level did drop off before Christmas, but he's been fantastic since Christmas. He's been scoring goals, and I think any he emerged with, everywhere I went. Manny was one. Thought Manny had a bad game. I thought, no, I don't think yeah. he had that bad a game. I, 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 he I, I, it's a better game than Salah. It's all right yeah. for Salah not to play well, yeah. well, and we can all say it. Salah yeah. couldn't get himself in it and wasn't effective when he was in it exactly. and was arguably trying to do too much. I thought his decision making was really poor, Salah. I thought for the first time there was a minor worry, not the first time. I think they've all done it at times this season, that front three. But for the first time, I had a minor worry that Salah had a bit of an attitude of, I've just got to sort this out then, have I? No, you haven't, mate. Yeah. You've got these lads to help you. Yeah, I yeah, thought. I yeah, I, th- 
I thought Salah was the most anonymous we've seen him, and those games will come to anybody. But this idea of scapegoat Mane, it was happening on Twitter during the game. Yeah. And I thought Mane was having a decent game. He I was. thought he was he doing did. very little wrong. He was shown for the ball. He was trying to make things happen. He was going deeper, but it was obviously tactical. And we've obviously gone with the idea, well, Andy Robson is going to move further up left, which is probably why Chan's dropping into the left-back position so often. And that was how he set out. And we've got to think that those moments when they're getting closer together, they're actually happening against a back six at that point. Because that entire second half, That's he was playing a back six. Very astute. I, I noticed that, Ian. I, I thought, there's tracking back and there's playing a back six. Juan Mata was a, 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 virtually an auxiliary right yeah. back. Be, be, well, there, 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 wasn't two a, right... there wasn't any tracking and it wasn't so... I mean, we were forcing them back, but it wasn't because we were forcing them back. They chose to sit along. And it, we've seen Mourinho do that a million times. He'll just put six lads across the 18-yard box and keep them there. That's why I thought I mean, the, when the goal comes, credit to man, man is not really given much credit for it, but it's an explosive moment. I mean, I know the, the ball is in is a nothing ball. It's difficult against a packed defence, but what he does... does he plays the percentages. Yeah, and to get in behind there was no easy feat. It, the conversation about decision-making, I think, Ian. Decision-making and, and, and passing being just off, I think, throughout the game. Decision-making being just off and passing being just off. I don't think there's... I think that obviously United defend well, but it wasn't as though I thought that there was that that, that, that we couldn't get at them. For instance, the fact that the, the very one the Mane penalty incident where he flicks it back, you know, Firmino's picked that up between the sticks. He, if anything, he, there's an argument that he should actually just be taking it on that's yeah. what I thought. and finishing himself. Yeah. But my point more is, that, well, that, that's an example of getting in. We're in mm. there. It's two one. It wasn't as though it looked like it was impossible to get in. I think that's one of the things that frustrated me again watching the game live and watching it back. The front three. All three of them, even though I think they all have little patches with the exception of well, two of them are patches, uh, Salah doesn't. But they all, to me, should do better across the course of the 90 minutes. I would agree. I think in terms of the front three, I would say Firmino is the one who gets closest to his to his normal level uh, across the 90 minutes. I take Rob's points. I think there is a little bit of that whole money scapegoat business going on. You don't want to get on the lads back too much because his output's been really, really good recently. I don't think he has the best game personally. I think his decision-making could be better at times. Um, you see that, Neil, from very, very early on. I mean, there's a, there's a break in the first half where Firmino could put Salah in um, very, very early on and he gets it He gets it wrong. I think he tries to find money. It wasn't the ball. And from there, it just kind of continues and continues. And, you know, when you're playing football at this level, elite football in these big matches, these big moments, it will come down to just decision-making um, and we just we just quite weren't at it on the day. I think in terms of Salah, you know, we, he's going to have games where he's crowded out. I mean, credit to Ashley Young, he plays him really well. I mentioned it before, he is backed up by a lot of other defenders in fairness, you know. But, you know, back to that, first goals are always important, but you felt in this game it was going to be huge because they've only conceded six at home all season. Now, that's a ridiculous record, to concede six at home. You can talk about all he wants in, in terms of do you like watching them play? And personally... I know which team I'd rather be watching week in, week out, and, it, and it's us. But in terms of being solid and managing a game, Mourinho is still extremely adept at being able to sell a football match. And once it goes one, once it goes two, you're then looking for something really, really special. And sometimes you're going to have those days where you know it just does not click up front. Salah had scored 12 and 12 away from home. Now, that puts you on everyone's radar. You're on everyone's single radar when you're banging 12 and 12. And he got crowded out and it didn't happen for him. And Neil, your punch probably right. He's probably thinking, I need to do something special here. Players back themselves. They want to do things special in football matches. And he has that one at the very end where he could almost maybe grab a point and maybe because he hasn't had such a great game, he snatches at it a little bit. 
it's a frustrating day at the office, but I don't think it should detract away from how good we've been in, in recent weeks. And in the grand scheme of things, I said it before, there's still loads and loads to play for. Um, last little thing, subs don't help. Um, I think it's fair to say, Ian, Sam and... It's the first time since Swansea where we've looked to change down. I think that's because the way in which the game plays out not exactly the same as Swansea, really. Where if you start Oxlade-Chamberlain, which we did do, and as I say, I think all around the table, we probably would have started Oxlade-Chamberlain pre-match. And we've got to, you know, that's why hindsight is dangerous. But if you start Oxlade-Chamberlain, then you haven't got a clear front three sub option to bring on. And I think that you see that as the game plays out. Liverpool, you know, we end up bringing Solanke on. He hasn't scored a league goal. We bring Wijnaldum on. He hasn't scored an away goal. Um, and we we bring some other character on. Lallana, Lallana. that's the one. Uh, we bring Lallana on, uh, who's coming back from an injury. But for the first time, for me, that bench look, really did look a change down. Yeah, it's... Bringing Lallana on, I thought, made sense because at that point, it's clear that Chamberlain's been trying to force the game. His passing's not quite happening. It's not really working for him. He's not necessarily bringing the dynamism we've seen him in other games. He has a couple of runs, but the Lallana sub makes sense because you've got Lallana who's going to hold the ball for you. And Wijnaldum is kind of like, it becomes a like-for-like. Like. Well, it doesn't become a like-for-like because like we're, we're taking full-backs off at this point, which I think is a glorious thing. Let's play with no full-backs at all. Let's just throw everybody off. Two at the back we end up with, don't we? We end up with two at the back because we can do it because they've got no intention of attacking. So, But Wijnaldum coming on, at the point where you've gone, OK, well, we're not playing with full-backs anymore. We're going for guys into the middle of the park. Not entirely sure where Wijnaldum's playing at that point. He might be a right back. He might be somewhere else. Solanke's the one for me where it's kind of like this. We're, put, we're making this substitution now with hope more than intent because we're hoping it's going to come off form at some point, and it's not looking likely. Ian Ryan first on this. For me, the actual the notion of the changes, I'm absolutely fine with. In that, you know, I'm, I'm, you, I, if you lose a game of football and both your fullbacks remain on the pitch, I'm always wondering what on earth was yeah. going on there. Yeah. So I'm absolutely, you know, it's certainly if both of them do, and even if one of them does, but certainly both of them, we we, we take them both off. I'm I, I'm fine with that. It makes sense to me. It's more what it is that you're bringing on at that stage, and I think when Aldum to go right right back is just about makes a bit of sense and to be, to be pushed right up there and be more right midfield. But the Solanke thing is, it is concerning, you know what I mean? That could be a Champions League final there. Um, bringing on a lad who just doesn't have a senior goal for Liverpool is a worry. It's a massive worry and I don't really understand. I mean, I may have missed something. Was Danny Ings, was he? Was there, was there an Not issue? Because he was on the bench. I mean, I don't know whether there was anything prior to the game. I mean, I think it's... it's training, he, well, he, he showed... He, 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 he came on against Porto, didn't he? And so he obviously he's, he's, he's there or thereabouts in terms of um, kind of featuring. And, and he showed I, a bit. You know, I, yeah, he I don't think anyone around the table is thinking Danny Ings is necessarily the answer, but he is a lad who scored at this level. He's done it for Burnley. He's done it for Liverpool. He scored at Old Trafford before. So I, I'm surprised that he just wasn't on that bench for that last that last kind of 15, 20 minutes if it all goes wrong. Because I, I agree, I mean... No offence to Dom Solanke, he's still a very, very young lad and at this minute, he doesn't look like he's ever going to score a, fo- a goal in a football match, which I'm sure it will happen for him eventually. But if, you, if you're giving me the choice between Danny Ings, who's 24, 25, he's played at this level before and he scored goals at this level, or Dom Solanke, I know which one I'm choosing. I, I don't... I'm, look, all I can think is that Solanke is the one who showed in midweek in, in training. So I think we're a little bit focused that he hasn't scored a league goal for us. You know he scores. He scores in that youth tournament. He's top scorer. We've, we saw in preseason. Dom Solanke's got a finish in him. Uh, what it's a big he, difference, though, Rob? Though, isn't oh, it? Old course, it's, to, I, to I agree. There's not, difference. It's, it's, I agree, but it could be that Danny Danny Ings wasn't wasn't hitting uh, anything on target. He comes on against Porto in midweek and looked and looked all right. He not, looked, not great, but he looked okay. And he, I thought. He, he looked all right, but to me, there's a trade-off between 
One lad's got a bit of premiership experience and he's, and he's a bit tenacious. Uh, and you could see why Brendan Rodgers bought him, but he's yet to convince. The other's a raw kid, but he's got a physique and he's got pace. And maybe he thought against tiring legs uh, that the, the, the physique of Solanke would have a bit more, but that maybe over, over, the, over six yards he needed a sprinter th- rather than a scrapper. I think it's an optimistic uh, decision to put Solanke on the bench. I, agree I think that. I think it's it, I think it's the of idea course. of I might give Solanke the last ten to help us see it out, help us hold it up, hit the big man, let him stretch them at the back, worry them for pace. Yeah. Play that way because I think we'll be ahead with ten to go. It's not a if they're sitting in doing absolutely nothing, who would you rather have selection to me? And that's fine, you know, the manager manages on the front foot and he manages optimistically. I can understand that. But it, the, the the bigger picture, Rob, is you know, and I think we all know we all expect Liverpool to, to in the summer look at one, at the very least one addition to that front three, and I think it has to be two because at some point someone will always be out injured as well. But Liverpool do need to be able to look at a bench and see, I think, two lads who can play in a final th- who can play in the final third who change the game for you positively. And at the minute, I think when the manager turns and looks at his bench there at Old Trafford, for me, he had zero. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, this go this reignites the, the the January transfer window debate, and and, and those uh, and those who want confirmation that they were right, the club should have bought someone, will have seen some evidence there. But it comes down to the fact that say we'd bought uh, Obama Yang, he hasn't kicked a ball in anger apart from twenty minutes in Porto so far since January the, the first for Liverpool. So he comes on at Old Trafford. Maybe he nicks a goal, maybe he doesn't. I I, I don't think it. It doesn't change. You're absolutely right, Neil. We need those two attacking players. There will be a debate as to whether a Lamar-style player is two midfield, but he does play either wing, but definitely another attacking player. Like maybe it's Pulisic, I don't know. Um, yeah, but so those those who want to see a... a sorry, sorry. <laughs> Mindly distracted there. Those who want want to see that, that we should have uh, definitely brought anyone in, any striker with any name in January, you may, you may have found some uh, encouragement there with, with our failure. The Champions League draw is on the horizon for the mighty boys in red. Listen, we'll be covering it for you with a post-match or well, a post-draw show immediately straight after this week on the Anfield Raps player service. Go to theanfieldrap.com forward slash subscribe to be able to sign up and find out what's happening with the mighty boys in red. Uh, if you could take the time to do so, if you haven't done in the past, now is a perfect time to, to have a little look at everything that we're about there. Got previews and reviews of all sorts of Liverpool-related content. So if you have been thinking about it, please do go to theanfieldrap.com forward slash subscribe it's a shame it isn't after a victory at Old Trafford but you've got to sort of go with the swings and roundabouts of these things and see that you haven't got to listen to all the shows that are on there but there are up to about 14 15 a week for you to listen to uh, with us at the Anfield Wrap with our full range of contributors so five pounds a month to try see how it goes all in Rob it leads to the first bad weekend we've arguably had this calendar year even Swansea I think had some sort of mitigating factor involved Reality is for Liverpool that Tottenham won uh, won well in the end after being behind. Chelsea started the game brilliantly against Crystal Palace and just took it away from them. Manchester United obviously won as well. It's turned the pressure up a little bit on the top four finish. It is worth remembering that a lot of our rivals still all have to play each other and play Manchester City. But we very much do need to, to bring the momentum back very quickly against Watford. Yeah, it was a, it was a, war, a salutary warning that you take nothing for granted that even us. You know, our seven-point gap over Chelsea is now back as if last, uh, you know, our great weekend last weekend didn't even happen. Um, Tottenham, Tottenham have overtaken us. United make our, our notions of finishing second look a little bit fanciful now. 
So, yeah, we cannot afford to have just one of those days at the office against Watford. It's very much a must-win. I don't like those the level of pressure I'm putting on Liverpool, but it is very much a must-win. I'm also a little bit worried looking at the, the, the fixtures where we're going to have to count on our um, opponents for are very much hinged on how City finish the title race now because they could have things in the bag before they play the likes of Tottenham, I think, is, is a worry. Um, I'd like them to be trying to clinch the title by beating United, but I think United aren't, aren't our immediate concern at the moment. Chelsea and Tottenham very much are. I was going to say, there's a when, when you lose a game like that, it's all about the reaction, isn't it, and what you go and do next. And I think Liverpool have now got two games before Spurs and Chelsea play, so there's a real chance to put some some pressure under them again. So we could we could potentially go five above Spurs and ten ahead of Chelsea before they even kick a football match, and their next game is against each other. I think on April the first. So these next two feel feel big. Watford, I saw Watford against Arsenal. They were in grace, physical, but we should have enough to beat them. And then Palace at twelve thirty on the Saturday feels feels big. It's it is big, isn't it? And it is worth pointing that out. That you know, this is a big one, I think, for us collectively. Uh, the first one, the Watford one. We'll talk about the Palace one closer too. But this is a home game. It's a half five. If we want to talk about our support and you know the scenes from after that, whilst they were being kept in during the match there, and as the, as the game closed, you could see that this is a, a partisan Liverpool support of them in a desperate to get behind the lads. Well, this is a big opportunity to do so. Watford half five Saturday night. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. I mean, once again, we're on what the fine margins are. We had a very good shot of going second on Saturday, and instead we slipped to fourth. So this this is how tight it is at the top. This is the moment when you know the lads who are going away are clearly having the best time on earth at the moment. So yeah, that for a two-one loss against our, one of our biggest rivals. That looks like a cracking afternoon out. That looks like a great time. Because we've got a new song. It, yeah. Everyone's very pleased about it's, that. It's, it feels it's, like a, a, trophy it's a lovely, dish. lovely song. It's about to like. That can go on for like you know 25 minutes. Do you know what's great about it? No one, not many of the crowd actually know the words of the... But they of can the, hum it. Of the, of, the, ...of the verse, but they all know the chorus. So, it's everyone's, so it goes, so it dips down in, in dynamic during the verse, and everyone bounces in on the chorus. I think it works because no one knows the words on the verse, but the chorus, oh. what a chorus. Is this the point where I say, I've no, no, okay, we did that before. We're not rewriting the Song here, no, we're not rewriting the song. <laughs> I want to rewrite the it's song. It's catchy as hell. Does everyone just, around the I, table I, know the could know I, the ver- yeah. know the? I'll sing it. I'll sing it. We're not rewriting it now. It doesn't rhyme. <laughs> Let's get off its back here. Quite wrong. Yeah, you know, everyone's incorrect. having a lovely time here and stuff. Anyway, yeah, everyone's no, time. everyone is, and this is the moment when yeah, we did th- that went for twenty-five minutes in Porto. Yeah, nothing else doing the game, so I just kept going and kept going until everybody had learned it. You get to bounce in this one, yeah, which we haven't bounced for a long. We haven't had a physical <laughs> action. No bounces. How are you? Are you alright with the bouncing? <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of wobbled you're, you're on my older knees than you were bit. last time we bounced. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm also trying to hold Rafi standing on the chair next to me because he still has to stand so he can see <laughs> in front of the people there beyond him. So I'm sort of trying to hold on to him. If I'm bouncing, he's going everywhere. If anyone moves, so yeah. <laughs> so, no, so you're relinquishing the bouncing in favour of good parenting, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to do something in favour of good parenting at some point. Uh, there is um, <laughs> there is a wider sort of uh, other issue out of the game, and it is often the last refuge of the cowards, and we've had the conversation that we've had about the Reds barely mentioning it. But watching it back, we rarely go into the referee, but watching it back, Ian Ryan, I was struck by how many 75, 25 decisions that are in our favour that we just don't get. Forget the idea of 50-50s, forget the idea of a homer crowd. I just think, and there's even the specific big, bigger, bigger incidents. But the referee's just low key rubbish throughout, and and it's, it's it's verging on unbearable to watch a referee football matches. To be honest with you, it's so poor, and he Paulson sets the tone really early on when he 
he gives a foul against Emery Chan for that. Well, he wins the ball against Valencia. He clearly wins the ball, and then he, he, he then goes into Valencia because he can't chop his own legs off. He has to go somewhere, but he wins the ball quite clearly. He gives a foul for it. From that moment, I had, I had huge concerns. I have to say, and you know, it's been it's been debated a lot on social media, but there's probably at least two, if not three really good shouts for a penalty and when you have two or three in a football match you maybe expect to get at least one and we never got close to getting any I think if you want to be if you want to flip it around a little bit I think there's times during the game where Rob mentioned it before darker art I think our game intelligence can be can be improved and I think you know we there's can't not, do anything about his game. No, not, not that, but no, I'm talking about, you know, there's, there's an opportunity early on Rob, where Trent, energy, yeah. Trent, Trent could go down early on when Rashford's already done a booking. He potentially gets Rashford sent off, but he, he avoids it and does what a, you know, yeah. a, a young lad does, maybe just gets out the way and carries on, but a more experienced pro, they might go down, Rashford goes off, they're down to 11. But, but Klopp's they're also in he doesn't want that, So, he? But that does not detract away from how shit the referee was. I think... You know, even the penalty where Mo Salah's being dragged, Mo has to go. He has to go down. You know, you're never getting a penalty at Old Trafford if you try and stay on your feet. Um, the Mane one where Mane gets gets tripped Fellaini. by Fellaini, no one appeals. Lallana's right next to it; doesn't even appeal. So I think there's things That's that we can point. do better in terms of making you know making it harder for the referee. But as I said before, that does not detract from a really really poor display by Pawson. At the risk of opening up this one, it's got to be opened up. This is exactly why I'm, I'm, I'm very much in favour of VAR, because I think what it, it's not that just that it has the potential to correct very wrong decisions, and I know it, it's a far from perfect system at the moment, but what it stopped, what I think it has the opportunity to stop is a referee writing a narrative for a game, even subconsciously in his head. That, that guy was in a, in a swing of giving home decisions, whether he was intimidated by the crowd or what have you. I think the first time he's pulled up, by a third party, he's he's rocked back on his heels. He's he's thought to th- he's he's forced to think about the game in a, a different way. Whereas I think he, you see refs sometimes going with the momentum of a team, and they can't stop themselves. I don't even think they're consciously doing it. I don't think their bi- I don't think their bias is known to them, but they can't stop themselves. But a, a video intervention goes, no, you're absolutely wrong, and I think it makes them check themselves more the next decision. Which one would you come? Would you say it was a VAR decision? I mean, I think there's something in Ian's point. I mean, I'm, I'm, we can have a wider VAR conversation probably after the trial period's finished. But like for me, the Emery Chan one very early is just not a free kick, and that for me throughout the running of the game, loads of those decisions wouldn't come under a VAR ruling. Well, Absolutely, loads do. of them. But penalties do. But loads of those ones wouldn't. And there's enough in all the penalties even on repeated to, to rule them out. There's enough to say, referees call. You know, I don't know how you'll do the system when the system's finally sorted out, but I think there's enough in all the penalties to say referees call, Rob. So I want to know. I don't think that necessarily applies here because I think it does start with that Emre Chan one where Chan shows that, that he's prepared to do this to win the ball and the referee goes, well, I just don't want any of that on my pitch today, boys, which you know causes problems if you want your game to be quite very much in someone's face. I think I think knowing it's there stops them playing God, stops them doing having a Clattenburg of a game, stops them thinking it being about about them and how they want to view how this game is going to develop. I think I think it make I think it checks them into being more objective uh, referees of of the contest. I think it makes them think twice more often than not, 
rather than just this, the, the, than sort of running with the play, dramatic hand gestures at times. This sort of certainty that you know, the, the sort of referee that anticipates where the decision is going even before the contact's been made. You know what? Everyone who's watched the game long enough knows what I'm talking about. Intu- intuitive refereeing, which on but on the wrong, but on the on the, on the side of bias and. I, I think when they know they're going to be checked, even if, there are ne- even if there's never a VAR decision, I think it weighs on their mind. I think it makes them approach the game in a different way. I think it's the problem of the age-old problem of referees making the game about themselves. We've yeah. seen it a million times. I think the issue with VAR, and it, it does just open up the wider arguments, VAR, as they've introduced it, is flawed. All you yes. need with VAR is a, a guy sitting with a telly watching the coverage we're watching going, that's not a free kick, he got the ball cleanly. Yeah, and it's it's probably almost Paul, impossible. Paulson knows that Emery Chan got the ball cleanly. Yeah, but he's still, he's still giving the free kick. And it, that one of the bigger ones for me was but why um, is he giving the free kick? Because he's imposing his own narrative on but the game. I think he's trying. What he's trying to say is, I don't want those sorts of tackles lasted in this but game. It's not even a tackle at that point because Chan is in possession of so the what, ball but, but, and but, takes his own ball. But I think you know this is where I think this gets really really difficult. And that you know what? So you're going to have that's that, that decided by television. Seriously, you're going to have you're going to have a free kick, an innocuous free kick in the middle third of the pitch. Decide that that that, that would how does that even get overturned? Mm-hmm. Because once he's given it, play yeah. stopped. If it's if it needs to be overturned, and all it needs is a lad in his ear going, "That's not a free so, kick." You so know, so it's it our free kick now. It becomes a bounce ball. I think it becomes it, the old version of bounce ball, not the bounce ball that we had on Saturday, where a lad goes down because he's been he's been hitting the nuts with the ball, or you know something yeah. has happened to him. He goes down. We've got possession on the wing with Bobby Firmino in tons of space, a moment that could be absolutely influential. But we get the play being stopped for the lad who's gone down, and then we get the play becoming a bounce ball, a drop ball, which is kicked 70 yards. So we've lost all advantage that we had when we were in possession of the ball in a good area. I think in the, in the, in, in the, the sort of technological future dreamscape, the, the referee isn't on the pitch. The, the guy on the pitch is a conduit for the guy in the stand, or, or two guys yeah. in the stand who are looking at a range of monitors and are charged with making quick decisions which can very often be wrong, but they've probably got more information at their fingertips than, than a guy who may be 20 yards behind the play or what have you. But this is a debate for another day. It's think. a debate for another day, but what I do think is important is that is that what I don't want to do is start saying that we're not going to put Ian Ryan just as a close this off. For me, that's just bad refereeing. For me, I'm, what I'm seeing at the weekend is bad refereeing. Yeah. And even the marginal handball, the marginal penalty decisions, which I can accept the idea that the, you know, the, 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 they all could go either way, penalties and there's other factors, Ian. I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed is the wrong way to phrase it. I just think that the current crop of referees are crap. And it makes <laughs> me really wonder what's going on at League Two and at League One. What on earth are they getting refereed by? Because, I, you know, I think that the current crop, crop of referees are really, really poor. I think it's never been harder to referee the games, don't get me wrong. But I think the current people who are doing it, not just Craig Pawson, I've seen enough of him now, but not, Absolutely. Just, not just Craig Pawson. I think across the board, the current crop, crop of referees are just crap. I tend to agree. And, and, and back to your point, Ellie, nearly don't, we don't want to talk about referees. And you don't want to put the blame for not getting the results of the referee's door. Um, I think sometimes you can look at yourself and say, right, have we done enough? You know, did we test that for the hero, for instance? But ultimately, you are relying on these guys to to make big decisions in big moments. And there was enough in some of those decisions, I think, where you maybe get at least one penalty decision. But he, he sets the tone so early. As you said before, he does not want those kind of challenges, barely a challenge, on his football pitch that day. And then it just goes from there. And he, it was just poor decision after poor decision. But I absolutely agree. I mean, at this moment in time, the standard just is not good enough. And bringing in 
video technology, whilst it may help for some of those big decisions, it's not been invented for things like the Emirates Chan Shackle, for instance, that, that obviously gets given as a foul early doors. Uh, Craig Paulson, don't understand how he's refereed the Merseyside derby in this game this season, don't understand how he stood out to that point, but then I don't decide who gets to referee football matches. Listen, thank you very much, Ian's Ryan and Salmon and Rob Gutman for this week's Anfield Rap. Listen, the Reds got beat at Old Trafford, but... Very, very good Liverpool sides have got beat at Old Trafford in the past and gone on to have very, very good seasons. That's been the Anfield Wrap in association with Red's Bet. Uh, as said before, it's Cheltenham week, uh, so do consider using Red's Bet if you would like to. 50% of all losses go to Liverpool-related causes, but do gamble responsibly and do so enjoyably as well. Uh, you can go to gamblersanonymous.org.uk or begambleaware for more information, begambleaware.org for more information around responsible gambling. Uh, we will leave you with the thought that Liverpool are going to get back on the bike against Watford, better better Liverpool side than this one, have had fantastic seasons after losing at Old Trafford. That's the Anfield wrap. Sports Social Podcast Network.